Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From the French Press in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Maida. Acadiana is rich with music, but music makes hardly anybody rich. And getting rich is besides the point. For the most part, the people who play the music that makes South Louisiana famous do so part-time, and that includes all those Grammy winners you hear about. Sure enough, people get by, and there's never a shortage of gigs. And playing Zydeco or Cajun music can be good supplemental income. Plus, it's a great time. But long-term, it's tricky, if not impossible, to build a safety net or a nest egg that most American workers accumulate over their careers. Musicians can't really retire, not that they really want to, and that means major needs can go unfunded and unmet in the twilight of most careers. My guests today are both dealing with these uh, problems, albeit from different angles. Uh, Major Handy is, by all accounts, a living legend in blues and Zydeco, a world traveler, a raconteur, an auto mechanic. And at 72 years old, he's deeply familiar with the challenges of being a working musician past the traditional retiring age. But he's a consummate pro and a fighter. He suffered a stroke at the beginning of 2020, but is already back on the beat, uh, set to play some gigs in France later this year. Major is also involved with the Music Makers Relief Foundation, a nonprofit that supports and documents traditional musicians in the Deep South. Major Handy, welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm glad to be here, bro. Uh, John Williams is president of Love of People, a nonprofit started by his family in the 1990s, but is probably better known for Blue Monday, a program he launched in 2017. Uh, Blue Monday raises money to help uh, musicians pay for medical care and living expenses through a monthly concert and dinner series staged now at Rock and Bowl in downtown Lafayette. Uh, Love of People runs several different initiatives, including Musicians Etude, We Care, and The Lending Closet, which compensates local musicians who donate their talents to benefits with credits to buy goods and professional services. John is also the head of the Upper Lafayette Economic Development Foundation. John, welcome to Out to Lunch. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, Major, uh, yes. you've been through a run of hard luck um, before your stroke. I know well, you. Yeah. Well, but you, you lost some possessions in a house fire, and you're already back playing gigs. Um, I don't know. Why not take a break? Well, I don't need a break. I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by wonderful people. You know, they, I'm not worried about what happens. It's when it happens. I'm kind of confident that I'll be helped if I need it. Because I mean, we had the house fire, and uh, we kind of think that that might have been, you know, what's meant to happen, it happens. It's what you do after it happens. You know, you don't break down and cry and feel sorry for yourself or, or anything. You just go about your business daily. So, so how quickly were you back on your feet after earlier? After the fire? Well, or after the fire, after the stroke. I mean, I understand you were back playing gigs. Oh, after, after the stroke, oh, I was in the hospital three and a half weeks. And the second week I was home, I was called upon to, you know, to go visit. Not, I didn't, he didn't call me. I was calling Jeremy to go visit him. Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy Benoit. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, my little, my little, my little uh, protege, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he came in my band one, 
Gromus was downtown, and uh, he wanted to play, and Charles Mann sent him in. I said, you sit right there, and you, you just wait till I call you. <laughs> but Jeremy has been a, a, a really, you know, a good musician, mm-hmm. and we play together a lot. So he call, I, I called him and said, I'm going to visit you. He said, bring your guitar. I said, I can't play that, man. He said, bring it. Just make it do what it's going to do. I said, okay. Hey, man. That was my first gigs. First gig after the hospital. Maybe two weeks. Wow. Three weeks. So what was it like getting back there immediately? I mean, was it something that... Well, I just know that I wasn't done. I have to do that. You know, having a stroke is... People have strokes all the time, you know. But the thing is, it's how they treat it. I mean, I just acted like I didn't have it. I just went at it. Yeah, you know. Well, a lot of people have strokes. They don't necessarily have the ability to play the guitar immediately. And it sounds like you were able to recover pretty quick. I'm still in therapy, and I'm still in therapy at home. And thanks to my little wife, she, she, you know, I can't even drive. They won't let me drive. I'm sure I can, but, you know, you follow the rules and you go at at it the best way you can. So, I mean, I do have support. John, everybody, you know, everybody in town, you know, people that play in bands and stuff, they all come visit me at the hospital. They they give me money. That goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, I don't need, yeah, no, take it. Yeah. 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 Um, John, so um, I don't know that a lot of people necessarily think about, you know, post-career well-being for musicians, especially the folks that like, look, in a lot of cases, these are the people that are responsible for the soundtrack, their lives, as they say, right? Um, but I got to imagine there's only so much that we can really do with like a fundraiser for this kind of thing. So I'm curious, like, you know, how do you see expanding or, or, or filling the gap in sort of that, uh, the, in, in, in providing for the costs of care, you know, beyond, say, a fundraiser uh, <clears throat> the need definitely outweighs you know any fundraiser that could be done when you look at the amount of musicians that we have in our town uh, and that doesn't just consider the older musicians that's all of them you know um, the need totally outweighs what a fundraiser can do so I do believe that this is a coordinated effort um, from local businesses um, even on a state and government level that when it comes to areas such as Acadiana, um, you know, it has to be written into a budget, you know, where uh, baseline services can be provided. Um, we've always used the concert series more as a platform just to drive the conversation. Uh, before I started Blue Monday, I wasn't even aware of the needs of musicians. All I knew was that I love the food in Acadiana and I love the music. But then when Sammy Parbu and Sean Bruce educated me on what happens as these musicians get older, once I was made aware, then I was immediately connected to it and wanted to do something about it. The concert series came about because that was our way of just bringing the community together to have a conversation about it. And now in our fourth year, realizing the magnitude of the issue now we have to take that next step where um, as concerned citizens, as local business owners, we have to come together and create this stability and support structures for them because they deserve it. They earned it. Um, they dedicated their entire lot, entire lives to creating our entire culture. 
you know. Um, we as a community, I believe that if we can change the, comp the way we speak about it, uh, the way we speak about musicians and artists and chefs, that we need to treat it, look at it like it's a business. These people aren't, it's not a hobby. Um, it's fun for them, yes, but it's also very taxing. It's a huge sacrifice. And I think we need to start changing the way we speak about it, that this is a business. Every single musician needs to be looked at as a small business owner. And I think that whenever we can start having that conversation about it, then you'll see investors wanting to invest into our creative economy because we have 5,000 small businesses walking around that could be developed. So when, when you say, like, we, we got to treat them as small businesses, I mean, a lot of small businesses, right, they're going to generate the kind of revenue they need to provide for these kinds of services. Why is this different with musicians? I mean, in the sense that they need, you know, the extra assistance or, or maybe that the community needs to be the one that steps up to handle it. I think because... <clears throat> Whenever you're talking about, um, let's say, you know, somebody who uh, opens up a bike shop, you know, that's a product for sale. Uh, they have a storefront. Uh, people are aware of that kind of format. But then whenever you look at a musician, um, I believe that when it comes to the entertainment industry, our community has never really acknowledged the business side of the music business. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we don't acknowledge that these pe the hours of sacrifice that it takes to uh, learn your craft and then hone your craft. Uh, I believe that in our community we have such a nature of uh, free and accessibility that we miss, um, you know, what it means to pay a door cover. You know, if you're going into, if you're going into a, a building and there's a $10 door cover, 99% of the time that door is going to that musician, but people don't want to pay the $10 to get in. You know, or if there's a tip bucket at a restaurant and the musician is playing, that's that musician's pay. So it's the same thing as going into Walmart and buying a loaf of bread. It's the same thing as going to a, a venue and listening to a, mu a musician. You have to pay for that product. And I think that that's where the business conversation has never really occurred um, in, the mu in the musician community. And when you look back, even you know, back in the day, a lot of these musicians were playing on the front porch of their houses and you know, in the country. You know, it wasn't really on a platform downtown or on the south side. And now that those platforms are developing, we have to start looking at this more as a business. I think that it's, it's providing the awareness for uh, the community as to what these people mean to our culture. Because this sacrifice that they've made and the choices they made to be in this industry, this industry is, the, is what highlights Louisiana, is what highlights Acadiana. We're becoming a tourist destination. And they're not coming because our streets are smooth and nice you know they're coming for our music and our food and that's business so their sacrifice is driving our economy we need to start speaking on that so, so major i, I want to bring you into this uh, has it been your it sounds like what what john's saying is there's a uh, a disconnect between 
what people think about in terms of like, okay, well, I'm going to go to this show and I'm going to pay my $10 cover and, and, and the actual cost that it takes to be a professional musician or what it takes, the sacrifices involved. Has that been your experience? Well, the, the thing is that when I run, I've always had a business. You know, I've had the body shop business for a long time. I've had bands for a long time. And I did not think that that people have to uh, want to give you. Only unless, you know, unless you're really, really good and, you, and, you, and you're good at your craft, you know. I mean, I've been with the music makers now 10 years. And they're a huge business, okay? But I don't depend on that because, you know, and they have given me stuff, they have given me accordions, they have given me gigs, they have done all that. But through my whole life, as far as playing a lot around here, I did. I was huge at one time, okay? But now that I'm getting older, I can retire. I've always been in a position where I have other things besides the music. Okay, and like the military, you know, I was in the military at 19 years old. I was in Vietnam, you know, and they are now taking care of me, you know. But most of the time, I usually take care of myself. Most of the time, my life, I take care of myself. I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that that people really understand? I mean, I I hear what you're saying, but do, do you think that people understand... Um, what it takes for you to get to that gig. Well, I mean, those Christian, costs, I mean, there the can be... The thing is with that, you know, you, you, you have, sometimes you have good luck, sometimes you have bad luck. But to me, musicians have always helped me. Always. Musicians. And I've always helped them. I helped a lot of people along the way. And it comes back, you know? What does that help look like? That help? Well, sort of, kind of, gratitude and playing in my band whether whether it's that or whether it's they don't they need instrument talk it's kind of it's kind of what i saw being yeah. around the musicians yeah, like man, they, y'all they, have they, such a family support structure built family in support. like you know. for instance if this drummer's busy and you know major will have a gig on this day this drum then they can call this drummer that drummer sits in and like they they support one another very strong it's a beautiful thing to see and that support was always what i wanted the community to be aware of so that we can almost like help you know, do our part to well, so they I, keep doing you know, what we do. I've been in Lafayette 20 years, more or more, 20 years. Now, all before that, I was living in Canada. I lived in Switzerland for a year, and I lived with my mama for a year. <laughs> That's insane more of you. Yeah. But what I'm saying is is yeah. that, you know, you look at where you go and the people that you you, 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 you communicate with and how you treat them. You know what I'm saying? They they they're gonna they're gonna treat you real well, right back. You know, if you do that. But what I'm saying, I know that musicians have a special language that they speak to one another, and the music speaks the language. Okay, if you um, if you treat them right, they treat you good. If you don't treat them good, they still treat you good. So, yeah. So that's how I look at it. I don't have no animosity. I don't have no, none of that. Maybe you should have friends. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I have I have a little speech thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I'm, I'm singing. I'm I'm doing everything. You know. I'm yeah. Playing guitar. So what, what, one thing I am curious about is like you know uh, is is what your workload actually looks like in terms of being able to to perform and and stay active. And I know you obviously do this because you love it, right? But. Uh, and I, and I, I don't want to walk away from that very important aspect. People who get into music do it because they love music, right? Um, but yes, but still, well, I, I mean, you know, it. folks who play in you know Zydeco and in the blues industry, I mean, there's a lot. It, 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 I see guys gig a lot, right? And so I guess I'm curious. I mean, how much are you gigging? I mean, not necessarily after the stroke. I mean, before generally. I mean, like, how many gigs do you play in a week? What is what does your work life look like as a musician? Well, the thing is with the playing gigs is that there are certain gigs, you know, at least two times a week, yeah. you know. But the thing is, is that you love the place that you and the people that goes there and that you want to mix with, okay? I mean, I'm not going to be a musician playing somewhere where I'm not enjoying myself. I have to have a good time. And that's what happens. Uh, so you, you've... Um played internationally right I mean and and you spent years in Canada and so I'm curious how that you know culture around music is different than the culture here in terms of the way people appreciate what you do okay well I'm giving an example I went to Canada with a band from Louisiana and everybody couldn't stay in Canada that long I was offered a position to get a band of Canadians and I took them all the way to the Montreal Jazz Festival. That kind of thing, you know, you, the people work with you if you're good to work with. But if you're not good to work with you, they don't want to work, you know what I mean? But those guys were Canadians and they were playing Tariko just like these guys here. But I had to teach them that, you know? Yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with Blue Monday founder John Williams and musician Major Handy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with musician Major Handy and Blue Monday founder John Williams. John, I'm curious if, if um, sort of looking at the way other communities sort of even publicly support or generally support the musician community. I mean, have you seen other places that you feel like, man, I think they got it right. I mean, if, if you kind of acknowledge that what you're trying to accomplish with Blue Monday Maybe you can, it's only a platform for a discussion. I mean, where, where have you identified another place you can say, like, look, those guys have kind of figured it out, and if we can be more like them, we might have a better, more stable environment for our musicians in terms of their quality of life. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when it comes to my connection with music, um, once I was made aware of the need here, I engaged here. You know, I haven't really gone out and looked to see um, how, you know, in... Canada, you know, they do. I mean, I hear from people that are more experienced than me that, um, you know, you, you, you'll see it appreciated more out and about, you know, uh, that when Zodico music, you know, uh, I mean, Re Sir Reg, you know, yeah, Buckwheat's son, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, Buckwheat was all over the world playing music and to huge crowds, you know. Um, and then when you look here, you don't see that same crowd here in appreciation. That's what I've been told. That's what I've noticed for myself uh, on a small scale. Um, I think that locally, I do believe that the community undervalues what the world 
appreciates when it comes to blues Zodico music. And Zodico, we are, this is where Zodico came from. Um, I believe that the community, not just in tragedy, but on a daily basis, needs to appreciate what we offer the world uh, when it comes to our culture. Well, to tell you the truth, there is no Zodico elsewhere but here. It's the only place you're going to find those kind of musicians. They're not even in New Orleans, okay? But that's the only place you're going to... So, yeah, it's nice, and the people here have been listening to that all their lives, you know? And when you take this, these musicians and they go out of town with the Zodico, people love Zodico everywhere. They never heard that before. And this is the only place that you're going to find it. I've been all over the world. I never heard nobody do that but us. So, Major, do you get paid better when you're not in Louisiana? I mean, because people see it and they're like, Zydeco is, I, this is an amazing thing. I mean, oh, so yeah, I, I of mean, course, we get paid out there, man. We, 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 actually, we get paid out there. Yeah. But here is hometown, okay? You know everybody and you're friends with everybody and they're not looking at it like that. The thing is with that, we have a lot of people that move from elsewhere coming to here. They're the most people that are supporting Antarctica and dancing and stuff like that. It's not the locals, okay? The locals come out, but the, the, the people that comes to town, and they come to town for that because they don't have that where they come from. They've never seen that before. And the people like it so much, they come here and they stay after they drink the bayou water. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that's the, yeah, that's the exact that's point that yeah. I'm making when it comes to the community. I think that if, if the community was made more aware of what these people do, I mean, you know, they, they've caused generations of people to move here, that's like right. Major just said. You know, they're coming here because in where they're from, they don't have that community niche. They don't have that deep culture. And I believe that us as a community, the locals, we need to acknowledge that and we need to appreciate it more. You know, uh, we export our number one resource all the time. And they have to get on that road and go because, like Major just said, of course the money's better out there. That is our local resource. I believe that we as a community should take more responsibility for it. We should support it more because it's just gonna, it just makes our community that much better, that much stronger. So look, uh, I'd like to take a quick break and do something a little bit different. All right, so like, um, this is a different segment that we run called Do As I Say, Not As I Do. So the idea is, you know, in our professional lives, you all come up with advice that we give people that we're not particularly good at taking oh, ourselves, wow, right? So do as I say, not as I do. So I'm going to ask each of you to kind of, what's, what's a piece of advice that you find yourself often giving that you don't really take yourself? So, uh, Major, what's some advice that you, that you give other people that you ought to take yourself? Well, I don't know. That's, that's something that uh, you're coming at me with that I'm, 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 I have, you know, I'll help anybody, man. You know, and I'll give anybody advice. Yeah. And I'll take advice of other people as well. If I see it fits for me, I'm, I'm going to do it, man. I, 
I'm not hard-headed, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you should do this. And I look at it and I say, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty humble when it comes to doing things. Yeah, that's the truth. So, Major, if you don't uh, give out a lot of advice, I mean, maybe uh, looking back just from your perch as a guy who's been in the music industry a, lot, a long time, I mean, is there something you would just generally, let's not call it advice, recommend to somebody trying to follow in your footsteps? I mean, you have a protege in Jeremy. What kind of advice do you give Jeremy? I was born in 1947. I didn't need to give Jeremy advice. He's really smart. That's good. You know, like, Jeremy went through the motion of being with Charles Mann, and he was learning how to... Charles played saxophone. But playing with a band and not playing all the instruments, because I play all the instruments. You understand what I'm saying? And... uh, Playing with a band and not playing all the instruments is a disadvantage. Because yeah. I took a sequencer. <laughs> tell, them, tell them, yeah, you're right. I, I love them. You know, I love, I love doing the music. I love being with people. I love teaching. And, you know, I, mean, I don't give a chance. But I was born in 1947, Christian. It's not the same day and age. Those youngsters... Oh, awesome, man. They're good. They can play. They can carry on. They can do the business. I don't even get royalties. They are getting royalties. All right. Why aren't you getting royalties? Because I didn't know about that, man. I was born in 1947. They didn't teach me that. I went to school. I maybe took band for a year or two. I didn't want to play that trombone. I played the piano and the guitar and all that. And I made my own way. I always do that. Like... Working on those cars, I built that car out there for my wife. I built that car. That's what I spend my time doing, learning how to do. Take care of myself. I have to learn how to do that. Those little guys, man, they're very educated. They went to college. They went to music school, and they can play, and they knew how to write songs and get their residuals. I didn't know that. I've written a lot of songs. I've done a lot of CDs and albums. No, that money came to me. I, I didn't know how to do that, and it didn't matter. There was other things I could do without that. You know, I can do without, you know, scrunching for this and that. I probably would have been better off. You know, I wrote hit records, man, but didn't have the, 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 the knowledge and education to do that, you know. I mean, I went to, Scott, to, to college for law enforcement. I worked for the parish sheriff department. I went to different things, you know. I've never went to school for body shop. I've never went to school for music. Look where I'm at. I get it. So it is difficult for Major to give advice. I get it. <laughs> I hear that. John, John, what about you? What's, what's a piece of advice? And look, you, Major's already set a path. You could be like, that's, that's a BS question, man. I don't give people advice. Oh, yeah, what is it? I find that, you know, you know, I have a few mentors in my life and, you know, even whenever they're talking to me, you know, it's like, you know, most often if you're talking to somebody and giving advice, you're really talking to yourself. Really? Uh, I found that out, you know, a lot. Uh, you know, my advice is, you know, communication. Um, you know, when we first started Blue Monday, I'm, uh, typically I'm a very shy person, you know, and uh, it really was Lee Allen and, and Gerald Grunick, you know, helped me really understand yeah lee allen zeno and he was like jw if you don't speak for us then who will you know having that conversation of the needs and the support from the community 
Um, and that was one of my biggest lessons in um, increasing my communication. You know, um, you can't have a plan in your head and just go about your day doing it the way that you want to do it. You know, you have to open up, communicate, um, take constructive criticism, take the positive, take the negative, uh, and, you know, taking the opinions of and keep molding what it is that I've been trying to do. Uh, that definitely was a path that uh, I've had to relearn. You know, um, my, my history comes from, you know, I, I own my own private company, you know, so I'm used to setting a policy procedure and following it through and seeing it done. Um, but whenever you go into the community aspect, um, when you go into the nonprofit aspect, you know, you have to open up and be vulnerable and um, be open. And that was always something that was difficult for me to do uh, for whatever personal reasons, you know. Um, I tend to be guarded at times, you know. Uh, and so where, you know, I dedicate my life to helping others and helping as many other, other people as I can, uh, my biggest blessing on this journey has been what it's done to develop me, um, not just as a businessman, but as a father, as a husband, um, and that's where I get my blessings. So you, you, Blue Money is entering its fourth year. Um, I mean, where do you see this going in terms of, you know, you described it as a platform, right? Something that you want to, you know, kick off a conversation. And it, it sounds to me that you're calling for, you know, community investment and its signature resource being music. I mean, what does that actually look like at a bigger scale? Um, what I see Blue Monday Mission doing, um, you know, there's so many different areas in the world where the creative economy is what drives a lot of um, support for that area. For instance, yeah, you can go to community in Africa and there's a basket weaver who makes these amazing baskets that are shipped all over the world or even like Kia Z, uh, Mr. Z with his rub boards, you know. They go all over the world, you know, and they draw attention to that area. What I see Blue Monday Mission is creating a format on how communities can take care of their creative economy because it goes all over the world. I just believe in starting home first. Uh, is a song, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. You know, one of my fundamentals of growing up my dad taught me was that I cannot go out in the world and try to take care of the world if I'm not taking care of my home first. My children aren't fed, my light's not on, how can I go out in the world and do it for somebody else. I gotta do it my home first. And so I believe that this format that we've created and still polishing up through Blue Monday Mission, it's definitely gonna serve how Louisiana and linking Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and New Orleans, how we take care and provide support, stru support structures for our number one resource. And then once that model is created, I believe that that model can go all over the world and wherever there's a creative economy uh, that has used to build, build that culture, they can implement a Blue Monday Mission program that can take care of those aging creatives and those working creatives as well. So, I mean, not to put too fine a point on this, but I mean, when we're talking about appreciation or recognition, we're really talking about money. I mean, it's not necessarily saying we got to put money in these people's pockets, but find a way to help them continue to make. I mean, we're talking about return on investment in a real sense. It's not just yes. saying like people need to go up to Major Handy and say, Major, I love your music. It's saying like we need to be able to make sure that Major can continue to play the music 
and, and some of that is taking care of what tend to be very expensive uh, life expenses, right? Yeah, I mean, even, even the small things, you know, quality of life is found in the small things. You know, we're creating the lending closet where, you know, um, I always give the example about how if a nonprofit is doing something, the first call they make is pick up a phone and call a musician, can you do this for free? With the lending closet, we aim to issue out credits and our new offices on the thruway, we're creating a community store for musicians and artists. Like it's non-perishable items. Clorox, you know, what do you use to clean your house with? What do you use to shampoo your hair with? You know, and these musicians can get credits and come and redeem those credits for daily, daily needs, you know, gas cards. You know, um, sometimes it's that small thing. If somebody's not feeling good, sometimes a, a hand on your shoulder can make the quality of your life increase exponentially. So it's not always just, you know, let me come in and, you know, rebuild a roof or let me, you know, it's just really connecting with our creative economy and implementing su support structures on various levels. Uh, we don't have a musician's union or guild that can offer group health benefits or health insurance. We don't have that. But what we do have is that we have Dr. Charles White, a dentist who lets uh, music, 10 of our musicians a year go in and receive services that they may need uh, at cost, you know. So instead of paying $4,000 for a root canal, you know, it can cost 1000 or 500 you know. So it's pulling in community resources, urgent cares, who can serve as, uh, you know, um, general practitioners for our local creative economy. You know, you have a cold, you can go here and get a, a steroid shot. You know, it's just, it's taking the different networks that we already have, linking them in to support our creative economy and money is is really the building block because we still have bills to pay with that but coming in and offering your services um that can help build our mission as well major i know that you know you, you you've said you've, you're a guy that's bootstrapped your life i mean you've you've been able to to figure it out right you've had you, you know you've had all kinds of jobs you've been in the army you've been an auto mechanic i mean have, has there ever been a point in your life as a musician where you could you could have stopped all that and still paid for your your, your basic bills? I, I never thought about stopping until I can take care of my business. Now I don't have to do it. You know, I'm 72 years old. I got it already. Now I can help other people. You know, but no, man, I never stop at all. I've always had two or three jobs. Oh man, yeah, I never stop. Was that because you, you, you needed to, or just because you're the kind of person that says, like... That's the kind of person I am. You're just going to work, because you've got to work. I just got to do, do what I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I couldn't lay in the bed and say, You're oh, not going to sit still anyway. <laughs> somebody help me. I know, man, get out of that bed and wash your face and hand and get at it, brother. Oh, that's that me. It's you know, the work everybody not like that. Everybody not like that. Some people just kind of stuck in... In, in, in a mode where, you know, they think people got to do this and people got... I was never, I wasn't raised like that, you know. My dad and my mom, you know. You realize when I was <clears throat> uh, 18 years old, no, no, I don't know what age, I don't know. My daddy couldn't vote. Okay. Yeah. 
My daddy couldn't vote when I, when I was 18. So you know where we came from. Because I was born in this place that was not God offered, but we owned like 16 acres of land. And my, my mom and dad worked. And my mom didn't work until she, she was 40 years old. And my dad worked all his life. And even me. At 16 years old, I was working on a construction job that my daddy was on. So, you know, I've always, you know, six, I had a car at 16 that I paid for myself. I couldn't, I didn't have a driver's license, I drove it. So, you know, yeah. they got people brought up in different kind of categories and ways and stuff. I was born in the country at my grandma's place. But I was not willing to live there for the rest of my days. Here I am. I'm doing good, man. <laughs> you a miracle, man. Yeah. You know, I woke up from that stroke and I said, okay. Let's roll. It bit me, but not that hard, bro. So uh, it's pretty clear, obviously, that this is... <gasps> yeah. However you put it together, however much work you got to do, people who get into this, they do it because they love it, because they, it means something to them. It comes from the heart. It comes from the soul. Right. Um, and, you know, too often we don't necessarily think about what happens to these folks as they get older and, and, and what they've given to us. And so, you know, I applaud, you know, both of you for thinking about how we can give back to the people who've given so much to us. So, you know, Major and John, it's been great talking with you both about yeah. this subject. Yeah. And uh, now you see that John is the younger generation, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm, I'm the older generation right now. But John has education and ways of getting his things done. And I have mine. Mine was not like his. It was like mine. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I mean, don't think that just because, you know, you got to help yourself. You have to help yourself. That's true regardless. And, but, but thankfully, there are people who are trying to help people help themselves like you guys. So thank you guys so much. It, I look at it, you know, um, I've been a nurse for 15 years yeah, and I've, right. I've helped, you know, my doctor friends open up clinics, you know, and I've seen doctor friends like, you're the physician, be the physician. You can't be the physician, the CPA, the front end clerk, the nurse, you have to be the physician. And that's what I apply to these younger musicians. You know, we can't expect the younger musician uh, to be the musician, to be the booker, to be the band director, to be the uh, CPA for the band, to be the, you know, you, you got to create these platforms to where let the musician be the musician so that they can create their uh, business to the best of its ability. So that, like as Major alluded to earlier, so that they can get the royalties of what they create, you know. How can a musician be everything for a band, you know? And that's another thing that we're implementing through Blue Monday Mission are those support services for the working musician so that they can create that nest egg or create that retirement. They're putting so much out there, so much of themselves out there that we have to let them do what they do and focus on that. And we need to layer in that business aspect of marketing, promotions, booking, so that we can just help them continue to do what they, what they do. Yeah, I mean, clearly no one gets into rock and roll and starts thinking about retirement, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a live in the moment kind of career. And 
these are the people that shape our lives. They give a lot to us, and it's important that we find ways to give back to them. So, um, Major and John, thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch, well, and I wish you, best Chris. to both of you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes. Well, I mean, all I can say, I'm here. Yeah, baby. This is where I'm at, and I'm all right. I'm happy. Uh, my guests today on Out to Lunch at Kitty and Ev have been uh, blues and Zydeco musician Major Handy and Blue Monday founder John Williams. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos are taken by Lucius Fatno, and you can find more of his work at lafphoto.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morrell. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researchers are Ann Christian and Maggie Mendel. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's community-owned nonprofit newsroom. And for more great stories and conversations, check out thecurrentla.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'll see you again next week at the French Press in sunny downtown Lafayette for more of the ins and outs and ups and downs of Acadiana business on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Until then, take care. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at the French Press in downtown Lafayette. Since 2009, the French Press has been serving Cajun brunch and providing custom catering for uniquely personalized events. The French Press is open seven days a week till 2 p.m. with dishes like Cajun Eggs Benedict and Sweet Baby Breezes. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. 